0: welcome to the geek to geek podcast where hopefully it's not just a fad i'm void and i'm here with my co-host Beige, and i'm not a fad even if vr is oh <laughs> today we're talking about vr um and i just wanted to start with i guess our histories of vr i mean the main reason we're doing this is right. i got a, a htc vive vive five i always get it mixed up um i'm probably gonna say both throughout this because <laughs> i yeah oh. me too anyway i got um Vive about a month ago. It's coming up on living with it for about a month and I was super excited. Wow. I've been texting Beige and I like I keep talking <laughs> to my friends about it, but I didn't want to do a podcast about it right when I got it because it would only be, "Oh my god, this is so amazing. I can't believe it." You know? Um so I waited a little bit yeah. and now that I've lived with it for about a month, I feel like I'm finally ready to talk about it in a way that's a little bit more intelligent and a little bit less y. <laughs> so yeah, that's where All we're right. coming from with this episode.
1: Um I thought we'd start with our histories of VR though so where are you coming from when it comes to this okay for me my first interaction was a virtual boy back in like 1996 97 somewhere around there whenever it first came out it was that first christmas and i begged for this void i begged for a virtual boy like to the point where i was the obnoxious teenager who was just like did you guys get me a virtual boy for christmas did you guys do it get it i want it i want it i want a virtual boy i want it i want it i want it i want, it. I want it. please and so my parents got me a virtual boy a nintendo virtual boy for Christmas. I played it for a couple of weeks, maybe a week. My parents played it, and it was this neat idea of 3D gaming. You have the headset set up on the uh, on on the countertop. I hated it. Like playing it in the store was one thing, and the interesting new idea that it had, that the interesting new technology. And then having it at home as a primary gaming system, it was terrible. The games were just not fun. That was the big problem with it. I've heard a lot of people say that they get headaches with it. That they were able to to play it for short periods of time, but anytime you did anything with the Virtual Boy, it was it was painful. I never got the eye strain. I never got the the just massive migraine type headaches. I just didn't like it. That that the games were just honestly kind of bad and so i went and we were able to take it back to the store and get a playstation that was i got when i got my playstation one was that christmas probably a good trade up it was a much better trade at that point so i kind of gave up on virtual reality at that point like the vr the whole idea of this being a new technology since then my opinion of it has been fairly skewed in terms of first generation technology about vr i love the idea of it but Because I have a Google Cardboard, and I have fun playing with it. I have any kind of story like Snow Crash or Ready Player One, The Matrix, Sword Art Online, this kind of thing that deals with virtual reality. The ideas are fantastic, and I cannot wait for this to be real, but I'm incredibly skeptical of the execution at this point. Uh, And maybe it was because I was burned when I was a kid. Or maybe it's just the skeptic in me about oh we're not ready for this we don't we can't actually do virtual reality this is still just a game for me I don't know but but that's kind of where I am because I haven't tried the Vive I haven't tried the Oculus or anything at all I'm still Google Cardboard is the highest level VR I've ever done which is cool and it looks cool but I've never done any real real VR. Okay, cool. Well, I'm
0: also coming from it from Virtual Boy. That's that's the thing I remember the most because I had a Virtual Boy. Right. I, I've basically owned every Nintendo system because I mm-hmm. always end up getting it eventually because I love Nintendo games. It's the only place you can play them. But the Virtual Boy, yep. I was one of those people who got headaches and I didn't care because I'm, well, I'm a little oh. bit younger than you. You were a teenager, so I was probably in my... I, I don't <laughs> know how old I was. I remember having it and playing all those games with like the red, you know, kind of like vector lines uh-huh. and like thinking it was really cool and then getting a headache and then stop for that day and then come back the next day and whatever, play again until you get a headache. It, the virtual boy wasn't great, but I remember it kind of fondly, but I also yeah. don't think I'd ever actually play
1: it again because it gives me headaches besides that. Oh, as a side note on this, I did read that there is an emulator out where you can at least try the games and, and see what they are. I haven't, uh, if you have any, uh, legally obtained ROMs for those v- virtual boy games that you still own. They are out there on the Internet, apparently. That's interesting. But I don't
0: actually I have not tried it yet. I don't remember the games actually being good. I just remember like the gimmick being very cool to me as a kid. OK. Um. And then the other thing that I like I'm coming to this with is I guess arcade machines. I feel like I, I haven't done a ton of arcades in the last 10 years, but more when I was a kid or you yeah. know, like early 90s, mid 90s. They had a lot of machines that were kind of like a VR experience or like something where you could like stick your head in and like turn around and be on um like a turret of a tank. Things like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Loved those. Yeah. I okay. forgot you know about those. About. Yeah, they're very gimmicky, but it's kind of like proto VR in a way. And yeah, that's a good way to put it. How I came to get my HTC Vive was basically when they announced the Oculus Um, I got really excited for VR and, like, the modern implications of it. So I've been following it very closely ever since then. And I think the Oculus Kickstarter was in, like,
1: 2012, 2013. I want to say it was... 2012 because i want to say it was just immediately after i did mine for birthright and i was super into kickstarter at that point okay that sounds right i think it's 2012 it's right around there i i started
0: following it then but i didn't want to actually pull the trigger because like nobody had a track record we didn't know how it would be so Mm -hmm. i did not back the oculus but i decided i'm gonna follow this i'm gonna see what the hardware companies do i'm gonna see what the software ends up being and i'm gonna have money set aside for vr so I've had money in an account ready to pull the trigger on a VR headset when I was finally ready. The Oculus and the Vive launched at the same time. And well, basically within a week of each other. And I I started reading all the reviews. I started looking at all the software and all the games available. And I was like, if I'm going to get one, I'm going to get the Vive. I I almost didn't do it. I was like, oh, I don't know. It's first gen hardware. It's you know it's it's not proven the install base isn't going to be there yet there aren't that many games right but like i'm so excited for this and i've been talking about it since 2012 or whatever and my wife knew this and she she basically said no you have the money you've been excited about this for literally years like the money's just sitting in an account you know just do it like it's it. you have the money set aside for it already just pull the trigger So I did. This is one of those times where I'm an early adopter. Usually now, now that I'm an adult, I have a job. I have kids. I have, you know, a family to support. Like I don't pull the trigger super early on first gen hardware. Yeah. Um, But this is one of those times where I did. And I really like it. It's really cool.
1: Do you regret it being a first gen purchase like this? Do you think that you would be better off if you had waited for the second or third for it to be more refined and more games and having something out there? Since you do usually wait for that, do you regret that? I don't regret it, but I don't think that this is the point where most people should jump on.
0: Does that make sense? Like, I I was so excited for the possibility of VR and what it could mean. I really wanted to experience it for myself and have one that I can play with on my own time in my own house and like really understand it. I think most people need to wait for a more like mainstream consumery version and it's not quite there yet. Right. This is definitely a Gen 1 product. Most people I've talked to, I can't say, yeah, go pull the trigger. You know, um, Some people I have, like yeah. my brother, I, I know that he uh, yeah. would love this. And I knew that his computer could run it. He had the hardware. And I know that he's enough of a techie that a Gen, Gen 1 hardware isn't going to trip him up. And I've noticed one of the things that... I mean, I'm hoping that I I know you have a bunch of questions for me, which I think is kind of mostly how this show is going to go. But one of the things I've noticed with it is that a lot of the skills of like building your own computer and like kind of being a a tech guy in the last 10 years, Uh I've had to apply to making this headset work correctly or the way that I want it to, you know, and it's not the complexity of building a computer, but it's a lot of the little things like, huh, it isn't firing up. Why isn't it firing up? You know, okay, well, you got to go oh, online, okay. go into the forum. Like, what am I doing wrong here? You know, what are common mistakes that are made when you're setting this up? And figuring out that, oh, maybe I need to just plug it into a different USB port. Or maybe I need to go right. change this setting in Steam VR that's like three menus deep. Like, it's nothing too complicated. Oh, But if it's... If you're not comfortable with the tech, if you're not comfortable digging into a program or jumping onto a forum to look for tech support, like I can see you being super frustrated with the setup of this.
1: Right. So basically, and this is no offense to anyone out there, basically the people who buy an iPhone and don't do anything with who want that kind of out of the box functionality without tweaking it, uh, that kind of walled garden, you're not looking, you're not going to get that with the current generation of VR. You're not going to get that. And maybe you'll get more of that with the Oculus.
0: I've only played with the Oculus like dev kits on other people's machines. I don't own one. But with with, a, with the Vive, you're not going to get that.
1: Which which I think is OK, considering it links into Steam, that that was one of the big selling points for me when we were talking about it initially, uh, when when you were looking at which one to buy, when you mentioned that this one linked into Steam and had that established distribution channel i think that's a big thing for me without having the oculus's uh, proprietary app store that they have
0: oh yeah no i l- think that's a big thing i love it like this is just like i i don't regret any of my time with it i'm not frustrated with it i think it's great it's it's just these little things that like i don't think the m- mainstream gaming press has made people aware of because they're just so excited to get it out there and there's all right. of these little things about it that never really got mentioned when I was reading reviews and reading impressions of it. And I think yeah. it's kind of a disservice. Like, you need to be comfortable to be able to set this up, you know, and understand how it goes together. And little things like... You, you, there's So there's two lighthouse stations, right? And they have to go basically up above your head. They need to be like seven to nine feet off the floor. And they need to be on opposite corners oh. of the imaginary, like, um, rec- rectangle that you're making for your play space. Okay. You, you have to either... You have to get them up in the air somehow, right? So they come with mounts. So if you want to, you can take out a drill and you can drill them into your wall and permanently mount them. But I don't think most people want to do that. Most people don't have a dedicated VR space that
1: they're going to permanently mount (laughs) these things to the wall, right? I mean, if you have surround sound or something sitting on the wall anyway, could you put it on top of like set it on top of your speakers for an evening or anything like that? Yeah, so you can kind of MacGyver it like that. What I ended up
0: doing was buying um, a couple cheap light stands because I'm very familiar with like light stands from working uh, okay. in production work. Yeah. Um, I grabbed a couple cheap light stands and I got a couple like 180 degree swivel mounts on top of those. So all told for the two light stands and the two swivel mounts, it was probably less than 40 bucks. It wasn't that much, but it's something right. that like it, it doesn't really occur to you when you're ordering this new hardware that, hey, maybe
1: I need to buy light stands and some swivel mounts, you know? Well, honestly, that's the kind of thing that Nintendo did with the Wii that that really surprised me. That when I heard people talking about it, they complained about the complexity of setting it up just with the light bar. That just the one bar in front of your TV, having to get that set up and put somewhere new, really baffled folks for me. That that when I talked to them, they're like, I don't know where to put this. My living room, even just my entertainment center, isn't set up to have this half-inch bar sitting on top of my television or in front of it. And they're like, why would Nintendo do this? And I could see those kinds of people getting really upset at the Vive needing this kind of extra extra prep. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, you
0: still have to set up the headset. You have to set up the controllers. You know, you have to make sure all the tracking is in place. Like it's once you have your initial setup complete the very first time. Like that probably took me a good hour, hour and a half, maybe even two hours because I was really like, okay, stop, think about it. How is this set up? Where am I going to position these right. lighthouses? What am I going to do with everything? I have to learn how VR works, have to learn how the Vive software integrates with the Steam software, all of this stuff, right? That was like this right. initial hurdle. And I assumed being a Gen 1 hardware per- person that i was gonna have to deal with that and it was fine like it didn't Mm -hmm. bug me i just it was something that had to happen now when i sit down to set it up it takes me maybe five minutes start to finish like it's no big deal at all
1: but you know what you're doing now and you've done that you've done it multiple times where you just you get that now yeah yeah for sure so we talked about who it's for you know we 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 said that this is not the the kind of person who's wanting something that just works immediately out of the box at least the vive isn't what kind of system you mentioned that you knew that your brother had a system a computer that would work for it what kind of computer do you need for this i mean i'm assuming it's not going to be something that if you can run world of warcraft you can run a vive that's not going to be the case how powerful do you have to be to really get this thing to work without it bogging down and crashing do we have to buy new computers for this or can you use it on on you know for my machines i think three years old four years old would i be able to play with a vive the best way to find that out is to go
0: google it because they tell you the exact hardware specs but generally if you have um, a processor from the last couple years and you might just need to upgrade your graphics card The main thing is like the the power of your graphics card. But there is actually a tool. I think there's an Oculus version of it, too. But I know for the Vive, you can go into Steam, just your normal Steam account. You don't have to do anything special. And there's like a Steam VR tool that you can download and run. And it will look at your whole system and do like... um it'll it'll like do a test run and it'll tell you if it's ready for it or not. And if it's not oh. ready for VR, it'll tell you exactly what you need to upgrade. Like, hey, your USB, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like your USB ports aren't compatible or hey, you need a new graphics card or, you know, if it is your chipset, it'll tell you that's not compatible. So the best way to do it is to just go onto Steam and you can run that. It takes like 10 minutes, maybe.
1: So definitely still the kind of techie person who if your USB ports aren't compatible that's not the most people i know can't replace a usb port so it's not somebody who is wanting a plug and play uh experience right now right and they're starting to roll out computers that are just straight
0: up like vive compatible And I think that's going to have more of an effect over the next year or two here where you can, you know, you'll be able to buy a bundle, I'm sure, within six months of a PC that is set up for VR with the HTC Vive and the Vive all together in one bundle for X amount. You know, you know exactly what you're paying
1: and that's kind of the way that the, well, I don't even know what it's called. Is it PlayStation VR that's coming out in the fall? The uh, Is that what they're doing with, I think, the PlayStation 4.5, where they're updating the specs to make sure that it's compatible, that you're going to have to have it instead of the original PS4 to run the Sony's new VR?
0: Yeah, the the PlayStation 4.5 is still kind of rumored. We don't actually know if it's going to be a real thing, but the the PSVR is just basically a breakout box and the headset, and it's set up to work with any PS4 out there. So yeah, they're trying to make it a lot more simple and easy to get into.
1: Which, honestly, I think that would be the one that will get people interested in it, that that's going to be the entry level, the entry level smartphone, really. It's the one when you get the uh, the free Android phone on your carrier that's going to get you into eventually getting an Oculus 3 or a Vive 4 or something like that after you've run the course of what you can do with the PSVR.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see that kind of like mainstream one because that. I think that's going to get the most people involved. It'll be really interesting to watch the PSVR. I I, I wonder how it's going to do. I hope it does well because I'm really hoping that altogether this isn't a fad and it's really hard to tell. We're only in like month two of VR and, you know, the install base is growing, but the manufacturers can't even make enough headsets to keep up with the demand
1: right now. So who knows what the end install base looks like? and that's that's actually one of the things i'm curious about is what kind of staying power does this have because it's neat new technology like the things that you have described to me about how you process the images and the experiences as memories versus playing a game which i'm going to get into in a minute i want you to tell us about that but it feels like this could this is the first step in a much larger direction for me that this is this is the kind of thing that you see and it's like wow this is a this is a literal game changer for the way that we interact with video games and media in general. But we also thought that with like 3D movies where the first time I saw a true 3D movie that was brilliant, like Avatar, like for whatever you feel about the movie itself as a narrative, seeing that in the theater in 3D was one of the technological jumps, most significant technological jumps that I've ever experienced in a theater. It felt like watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. It was like, oh, wow, this is what movie making can be from now on. This is what special effects and and practical effects can be together. And that's the way I felt about Avatar's 3D. And now 3D movies have kind of, everyone's sick of them. They're tired of the gimmick. There's There was never anything that was done quite like Avatar again to make it Make, take full effect within the the narrative. It didn't use it to do anything new. And so I'm kind of worried about VR being that way, that we have this new technology, but nothing good is going to come of it. Uh, kind of like wearable technology, the, uh, the Fitbits and the Jawbones, that they don't give us anything spectacularly new that we need to do with it. Um, almost like Google Glass, where I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm an augmented reality guy, by the way. I love the idea of augmented reality with an overlay and a HUD over real life. Like Pokemon Go is everything I want VR uh, to be at some point where I don't have to worry about this kind of setup and headset. I want everything to be like a HUD overlay. That's what I love. That's what I'm looking forward to. But then you have like Google Glass doing it where it's a fantastic idea and you get people who are just awful with it. That there was never anything unique and necessary to come out of it is that the way that vr feels to you right now do you think that this is or do you think this is going to push into the next generation of video gaming does it feel that way to you right now or does it still feel kind of like the fad and gimmick that which way do you think it's actually gonna go honestly yeah no i
0: know where you're coming from and i i had some of those concerns too because like you know i tried a couple 3d movies i hate 3d movies now you know i played with a google glass prototype at the last job where like my job owned it and it was it was kind of interesting but there was no real application for it and it was more frustrating than anything else so the best way to explain this is uh, i've I've played about like 30 vr games or experiences or you know interactive vr spaces whatever you want to call them um and there there are seated ones and there are room scale ones right room scale is vive only seated a lot of them are oculus and vive And a seated experience is generally it's tracking your head and then you either have mouse and keyboard for controls or you have like um, an Xbox controller. You know, I have a Xbox 360 controller linked to my PC. The seated experiences feel like a gimmick and it feels like a really cool gimmick that's done very well. And it feels like adding a cool new peripheral. It feels how exciting it was when you got that first Nintendo Wii remote, you know, or okay or if you've ever actually played a driving game with like um a steering wheel that somebody has set up at their house or mm. if you see those people who do like full throttle control stick things for like um plane simulators you know like right. a really cool really detailed peripheral that's still kind of a gimmick but the vive has room scale and room scale with the touch controllers, the touch controllers just go in each hand and it basically lets you use your hands fairly naturally and playing the games that are room scale on the Vive, it feels like as monumental of a paradigm shift as it did when we went from 2D games to 3D games. Like, wow, you okay. remember because I know you're close to the same age and we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you would like go to Target or whatever, you know, your local equivalent is and you would see those demo like kiosks for super mario 3d or you know super mario 64 oh, yeah. or like star fox 64 and oh my god uh-huh. it's 3d like this controls in a new way it has like a, a stick that i don't know how it works and it's you know it's, yeah. but it's monumentally different and it's this huge paradigm shift in gaming room scale feels like that it feels like a completely new way to experience like your media and your technology. I mean, in my mind, it's already separate from all my other gaming. Like I have flat screen gaming and then I have room scale VR, which is a whole nother platform. It's a whole nother way my mind works when I'm in there. It's it's amazing. Like I I can't even no matter how much I tell you that it's amazing until you get in there and get your <laughs> hands on it. You're never going to feel the way that I feel, which is one of those frustrating things. But it's also why I want to talk yeah. about this, because I think it is amazing it just it blows me away
1: okay that said i want you to tell me about the whale tell everybody about that friggin whale okay so one of the like
0: i just have my list of games and experiences here so bj can look at them and ask anything he wants there's a game called it's it's more of an experience it's called the blue and you go into it and there's not a whole lot of interaction but it's just about being in a space and a lot of VR experiences are this it's being in a space without having a whole lot of game or without having a whole lot of interaction and if you were to see it on a flat screen you'd be like yeah okay they you know they rendered some underwater stuff but when you're in VR you're standing on a sunken ship looking around and suddenly a whale swims up to you the way that my mind processed it is that I am standing next to a whale and it's gigantic. And I have never actually understood the scale and how big a whale is before until that moment in VR when I saw it right next to me. Because my, when you're at room scale VR and you're in a simulation that's like one-to-one with your body, your mind does not save these memories as the same way that it would when you're playing a game it saves them as if you were there in that place doing that thing which is weird okay but it's really really cool and like the whale just it blew me away that was the first time where i went wow my mind sees this in a completely different way from other gaming because it feels like i'm here you know that
1: that's something i honestly can't even fathom that i don't understand i can't I just can't wrap my mind around that because I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah, it's it's, weird. I don't know. I don't I I don't I don't even know how to, to say that I don't understand it because it is so fundamentally different from anything I've ever, ever done. Yeah. And it's
0: it's one of those things where intellectually, obviously, you still know you're inside an experience, you know, you're inside of a game. But when I think back to it, like, okay, when I think back to last time I played Overwatch, I think back to playing the game at the computer. Right. And I think about what happened in the game, but it's obviously a game and I'm separate from it. When I yes. think back to last night when I was playing in VR, the memories are of me doing the thing. The memories aren't of me mm-hmm. playing a game that is simulating doing the thing. Does that make sense? It's kind of this like... It does. Yeah, okay. Th- that's but the thing that surprised me the most was the way that my
1: mind started ex- processing it. Have you ever experienced normal gaming like that? Maybe I'm different on this, but I, whenever I think back to, say, raiding in an MMO with my guild whenever I would whenever I think back to these bosses that I was fighting fighting Ragnaros in the firelands or anything like that I don't think about it as playing wow I'm thinking about me fighting Ragnaros and I know it's different and it may mean I'm crazy and that I should take a step back from gaming but that's that's how I remember it when I'm fighting rag with my group I re- I'm the one standing in the fire in my memories. It's weird how I think about that, of running around those platforms, even though it's not VR, that, I don't know, that's, I still have memories that are like that to me, at least those, those fond ones where... Obviously, I'm I'm aware that it that there it's not reality. I'm aware that I wasn't there doing that, but the memory of it feels because I was so immersed in it at that point. Do you think anything has to do with how just you how much you let go at that moment and stop thinking about it as a game?
0: Uh, you know, I don't I don't know if it's being able to let go because like I've never felt like this about a game before. I think it's more the fact that you're moving your head, you are physically walking around the room. The two controllers are in your hands, and you just move your hands around the way you naturally would. You are interacting in the space the way that you would be in real life. Because of that, your brain just thinks that this is real in a lot of ways, even though intellectually, you still know it's not. It's it's something different, and it's something new, and it's something that I guess I don't want to spend too much longer talking about, because until you get to sit down with a VR headset, you're not going to really get it, which is frustrating for me, because I wish everyone could have this experience.
1: And hopefully one day we will. I actually hope that there are, is a way for these to have demo stations around more often once the PlayStation VR comes out. Because I'm fairly certain that's the kind of thing that will sell me on it and actually make me spend this much money. Yeah. OK, so let's start getting into the games. Um, When you get the Vive, it comes bundled
0: with um, Fantastic Contraption. It comes with Tilt Brush and it comes with Job Simulator. So those will get you started right off the bat and there are also a bunch of free games out there like um there's a there's like an intro to vr experience that's kind of the tutorial that one's in steam for free as long as you're going through steam vr and you also get the lab which is the one you were talking about that's a steam game and it's kind of like okay um valve's test bed it's like it's workshop where they were testing a bunch of vr ideas and this was the end result so none of them is a full game on its own but it's about like eight different little ideas that are all separate that you can go into and experience.
1: Okay. So that would be fun to do. That's the one I've seen some videos of the archery that you were talking about that looks really awesome. That that even though it's just kind of a not even a vignette game, just a just a almost a proof of concept kind of thing. Yeah. An experiment. Yep. It looks like it would be super fun just to play with. Yeah, and they are. The, I mean if you get an
0: HTC Vive and it's like you sitting there doing it for the first time, um, do the Steam tutorial. And then the next thing you should jump into is probably the lab, because the lab is a really good place to just get your hands on and kind of see what's going on while you're adjusting to VR. And then after that, go do whatever you want. But that's a really good place to start is do, do the tutorial and then do the lab. And I found myself, I kept going back to the lab because um, there's an archery minigame in there where... You're bit, you're up on a parapet and you have these like little they're almost like um stick figures, but kind of like those little portal figures that they use for everything now. And they're charging uh-huh. at this gate and you have to defend the gate and you're actually shooting arrows, which is really cool.
1: It looks really cool. I'll include a link in the show notes to be able to show you guys what uh, what the archery in the lab looks like. Uh, Speaking of cool videos, uh, two of the ones that I've seen that are the most impressive for me, and I can't remember the name of it, I can't remember if it's Budget Cuts or Holopoint, that is the hologram ninja game where you're ducking and dodging around a dojo, that the video for this uh, made me want VR more than anything I've seen so far. And despite you talking about it, it sounded really cool. Like, it sounded like, all right, yeah, I'd enjoy that pretty good. It seems like a workout. When I went and looked at the video of Hollow Point, it it made me want to spend $800 on this just because of it's what I want out of VR, that it is everything that I truly want, as opposed to, say... The archery in the lab where you're stuck there, where you don't really move around. You're you're the turret essentially. That hollow point. You're fighting. You're like Neo and Morpheus fighting all of this, fighting in this area, and it looks awesome. Yeah. That that. Tell us a little bit about that. Like what that's like to play. Yeah, and that's actually that's up
0: there. And the I have games separated out. I said voids must have games for HTC Vive, so this is one of them. Um, hollow point is. Okay, I I kept finding myself going back to the lab and doing that archery game because I used to do archery in real life and I haven't had much of a chance to do it since having kids. It just takes too much time to go out and to a targeting range and all that kind of stuff. And when I was in the lab doing archery, I found as soon as I actually took my real life archery stance and aimed the way that I would when I'm in the physical world, I started getting headshots on these guys. And I was like, that is cool. Like my skills map one-to-one into VR, which just blew me away. Hollow Point. When I saw that hollow point existed, I had to get it. It's basically another archery game like that, except you're in a dojo and um, you're confined to a mat that's in the middle of the, the dojo. And that's basically your play space in the physical world. And it generates holograms and you have to shoot them. That's the core of the game. It starts out with these squares. And when you shoot one of the squares about like 70% of the time it'll shoot back at you and you have to move out of the way so as soon as you hit it with an arrow wherever your head is at that moment that's where it's aimed so you have to constantly be shooting and moving to get out of the way of these things and then once you get a couple levels in it starts generating like holographic samurais and holographic ninjas and guys to like charge at you in this dojo so you're getting to the point where you're shooting boxes you're shooting samurais you're shooting ninjas the whole time you're moving and dodging and like jumping and It's I mean, it's a workout after about five minutes in there. I'm just like dripping sweat and it's amazing. I've never felt more badass than I did or looked as stupid. I'm sure I'm sure I looked stupid in real life, but I've never felt more badass than I did playing hollow point, which is just it's fantastic.
1: And one thing watching the videos that you had told me a little bit about, but it's it's interesting to watch someone do uh, when watching the video that I'm going to link in the show notes you have to reload you have to constantly reach back behind you to reload your bow and arrow and grab an arrow from your quiver that that alone makes it feel looks like it at least to me from the outside makes it look like it would be so much more immersive that way than just constantly shooting a bow and arrow like an overwatch as hanzo or something yeah you definitely get
0: into a rhythm and it's it's a rhythm and a movement, and it feels real, and it's it's so cool. So Hollow Point is one of my must-have games. Um, Another one we already talked about is Tilt Brush. And Tilt Brush is basically a game where you have, like, a palette of different brushes that you can choose, and you get to paint in 3D. So you can... It's almost like painting, but it's almost like sculpting or, like, constructing something in 3D because you can draw wherever you want, you know? It's not the real world. And the brushes are things, like... <laughs> You know, you can you can get like normal paints and normal colors, but you can also use things like light. You know, they have brushes that are light. They have brushes that are fire. They have brushes that are particle effects, Oh. things like that. So you can make an entire scene, which is really, really cool to do. So tilt brush is definitely up there. And you'll put a video for that one for sure. Right.
1: Yeah, there was there was a it was it a Disney artist that you had sent me initially to convince me of this? Yeah, that's what I thought uh, of. Watching one of the Disney artists play in virtual space and and draw, I believe it was The Little Mermaid, uh, was the one that I'd I think seen. that's right. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. Like it was just watching the the honestly the gameplay. I guess the footage of this was mind-blowing to see what could be done in 3d space that way that that i can see how it's going to be awesome eventually when this becomes mainstream that it's almost like looking at minecraft art we're like wow somebody can do that good job uh this is this is really cool to see what can be done especially from somebody like me who's never experienced any of it yep tilt brush is up there um
0: what are my other games on here? Um, Audio Shield. Audio Shield is probably my most played game. If you've ever played Audio Surf, it's the same guys who did that. It basically takes any music track that you feed it and it generates a level out of it. Audio Surf was like on a track and you had to dodge between notes and stuff. Audio Shield that uses the same engine to generate mm-hmm. the levels. But that gameplay itself is you have a shield on both arms And you use those shields. One is blue and one is red. And you basically have blue and red orbs that fly at you and you have to block them in time to the music. And it's just amazing. Like, I I don't know. I've spent so much time in there because I spent a ton of time in audio surf also. But it's the same kind of thing. Like, I just love spending time in there blocking orbs. I mean, we can throw a video up for this one, too. But it's cool. Like, I mean, just having the shield and blocking the orbs to the in time to the music. There's not a whole lot else to the game, but I keep coming back to it.
1: OK, I've looked at videos of it and I can't see how much fun it is that it looks interesting. Don't get me wrong. I can see how it's fun. It's like watching somebody play Rock Band or Guitar Hero. It's yes, like, exactly. OK, cool. That That's an interesting idea. But once you play, it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm a rock star. And it's like it's so much different. So I I can see how Audio Shield would be fun, but it's not it's not a spectator game. No.
0: Yeah. I, it I don't looks wanna...
1: pretty though. It's super pretty.
0: It is. I don't want to talk about that one too long, except to mention that it is my most played game. I have the most amount of time in that one by far. But again, check out a video. It's it's really cool. Look up Audio Shield. The uh, another one on my must-have games, Hover Junkers. Hover Junkers is like the only real multiplayer game that's out there right now. I guess there are a couple other multiplayer Online multiplayer? Yeah, this is online multiplayer. And okay, you get a ship, which is basically just a hovercraft that's basically open on the sides, you get to steer it around in kind of an open arena, you use guns to like shoot other people in their ships. And it's just I don't know, it's really, really well done. It's fun. I mean, it's fun to play a competitive online shooter in VR, because you set up like true, you basically get these spots on the sides of your hovercraft where you can set up pieces of junk, you know, hence hover junkers, and <clears throat> the junk acts as something for you to hide behind or duck behind or move behind or shoot through so what you're doing is you're basically like you stand up and you take a bunch of shots at the guy and then you duck down behind your cover while you reload and the reload stuff is like you actually have to reload kind of the way that you would in real life so if you have the shotgun you have to like hit the big touch pad on the top to pop open the thing and then you have to tap it a bunch of times to like put new shells in and then you flip your hand back up to close the barrel and they have different animations and different, like, movements for every gun, but every gun has a different thing where you have to, like, reload and, like, flip the thing back into it. It's really, really cool and really fun. And then the other thing about Hover Junkers is that it's multiplayer, but it's also, you can set it up so there are teams, and if you have team game, you can have two people in the same hovercraft. So you can have somebody steering okay. with one hand, shooting with the other hand, and then you can have someone dedicated to just, like, spotting for you and shooting. So that's really cool, too, to have two people in the same space working together.
1: So you can really drive like like you can drive with one hand and then like have a pistol in the other and just start like like with a six shooter, like just shoot it like like an action movie kind of thing where you feel like that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what the game is super cool.
0: It's it's really, really cool. And I mean, just encountering other people online is fascinating, too, because someone else appears in your hovercraft and you just look at them and like. I know that the Vive has a built-in microphone. If you want to broadcast, there's like... um, I think you use the squeeze triggers in that game. Oh, okay. Like, you could talk to them. But most of the time when you see somebody else in VR, you just kind of wave, and they wave back. Like, you don't have to say anything because you can gesture, you know, I, I was reading the other day about someone playing Hover Junkers and they couldn't figure out how to start their vehicle because it's not very intuitive. The tutorial doesn't explain it well, how to actually take control and start driving okay. your ship. Someone like flew up to them in another car and started shooting and then they realized that this person was new and they didn't know what was going on. And without any words being said, the person like switched to their um, utility weapon, where it, which is what you use to drive the vehicle around and held it up and pointed at it with their other hand and then showed where you put it in and how you move the vehicle until the other person understood it without any words. Wow. Because you can just gesture. It's VR. Like you see where the other people's hands and heads are like you can gesture and get your point across. And it's
1: amazing that is unreal to me i don't even know like i sat here listening to you imagining this and and my i I wish we had a video feed right now so that you could have seen me tilt my head to the side like a dog and my eyes like i have this weird like almost like 90s the rock uh like eyebrow going up and my eyes are half squinted my mouth went down i was like are you serious like that baby meme (laughs) that that it's like that's what I look like right now and I didn't mean to because I'm imagining this like that's what I want out of virtual reality like not shooting arrows not not uh, blocking uh, notes and not painting sculptures of Ariel the mermaid I want to be able to interact with other people like in ready player one that is what I want out of it that if once there's an MMO once there is an online space where I can simply exist as a as an avatar or even me almost like second life out there uh in in virtual space that's what w- uh, will will either completely destroy my life or enhance it to the point that that i've dreamed of since i was a little boy like the idea of Hover Junkers already getting to that point in Gen 1 gives me a lot of hope. Oh, yeah. It's basically a day one release. And that, I mean, that developer
0: deserves tons of applause for it because it's just amazing. And it's it's so cool to see how much body language actually carries in VR in a virtual space. You know, everybody, ha- you know, everyone has a mic built into their headset, but most people don't want to talk. I mean, that's just the nature of voice right. chat. It's You know, it's putting yourself out there. Most people aren't willing to do voice chat in any game. But yeah, if you wave to someone, they always wave back. Like every person I've waved (laughs) to in VR has waved back to me. Everyone. If you think about how much you can convey with just body language without words, you can get a lot across. And that's the kind of stuff that we're starting to get in VR. I'm really excited to see where we are in about like two years. You know, I love where we are now. But like what you were talking about, like the first big MMO or the first big thing that takes off that really, really shows the world what it can do. And right now there are some full games like Hover Junkers, but a lot of games feel very arcadey or feel like they're, you know, about two steps beyond a tech demo which is fine because this just launched, you know, this is month number two. But eventually we're going to get the fully fledged experiences that just blow us away. And I'm excited for that, too.
1: And when those come out, that's when I really think people like me are going to jump in. When there is actual human interaction that there's a that's going to be that's it for me. That is my big thing. I don't care about pixel density. I don't care about resolution and graphics quality. The I want to be able to interact with other people. Like their people. And I mean, I, I, I'm excited about this because I'm the guy in an MMO. When I walk up to you, my dwarf is going to wave at you and then stick his tongue out at you. And because I like seeing the animations and interacting with people like that. Being able to have my mannerisms be the character that I'm playing is something I've dreamed about at least for the last, gosh, this is 2016 now. I started playing online games in 1998. However long that is, 18 years ago, that's what I've dreamed of since the first time I really went online to play games with people. That The fact that Hover Junkers has that. I'm I'm nerding out right now just thinking about that, that it's already started because I wasn't aware that the motion capture was that advanced already in terms of interaction between the characters on screen.
0: Yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, it's all one-to-one, you know, it's one-to-one with your hands when you're in room scale VR, like your movements are your avatars movements because you're the same thing. It's, it's astonishing. Oh, uh, it. Okay, and so it's super we're actually, cool. I know we're, we're getting near our time here. I don't actually want to keep talking for too long. Cause there's only so much I can do until you get a VR headset on.
1: Well, since we've gone through all the others we have i'll include a list of the games that you consider worth playing and the games you consider not worth playing like tell us about and, and not to put any bad things about other people for any i mean these people are de- game developers and they have put put a lot of time and energy and effort in their work needs to be appreciated and respected for that because it's something most of us have not done but what games do we need to avoid? Like, is there anything that we're simply going to waste our time on that is just a big stinky bag of poop that you're that you don't want on your head? Yeah, um, there are a couple free
0: games out there that are just kind of like, oh, OK, there's not much to it. Um, The only three that I would warn you away from, like actually just stay away from these games because they actually made me sick, like motion sickness. I didn't throw up or anything, but like motion mm. sick, just, okay. you know, I had to take off the headset. Oh, yeah, and really you take told me break. about that. Um, are... Windlands is the one that I was really excited for that it just oh it didn't work for me in mind and in cell and those were three where it disconnected your feet from your movement and it just it did weird Mm. things to my sense of like I don't know you know I don't really get motion sick generally so when I started feeling it I was like okay I don't like what this developer is doing this isn't working for me you know Windlands instead of moving by walking around or like aiming and teleporting, which is what almost all the other games do. Windlands has you moving by like touching on the thumb pad. It just it instantly made me queasy. It was really weird. And then in mind and in cell were kind of like you move it with your head instead of with your feet. I think it's anything that doesn't really map one to one with real life movement is what was making me feel. odd. so any game you see that doesn't look like you would be moving the way that you are physically in the real world be a little bit wary of
1: okay that makes sense that that was one thing I was curious about with things like uh with things like the oculus on um, whether or not it would induce vertigo and motion sickness because you are sitting there and using something else to move around right and so I could definitely see that yeah and I've played like I said 30 plus games
0: and experiences those are the only three that have made me feel motion sick and it's not like I was instantly super sick. It was like, okay, I need to take a break and put the headset down and go sit on my couch for a minute. You know, it wasn't a huge deal. So, yeah, I mean, I could talk about VR for another couple hours, but we've been going on for a while. I don't think we're going to talk about it again for quite some time because most people won't have a headset on. The one thing I would leave you with is you you probably know if it's worth it for yourself. And if you're on the fence, kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe not. I I would recommend just find a friend if you can or wait until they start getting these demo stations set up. I know those will start appearing pretty soon, you know, at GameStops or wherever malls. I don't know where they're going to set them up, but they'll be around. It won't take that long. You know, maybe hold off a little bit if you're unsure.
1: And I mean, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with it. I can't spend the money on something I'm not 100% sure on that there's going to be a future in, that, that there isn't a system seller yet. There's not a Super Mario 64 as cool as all this stuff is. And one day there will be. And that's when there's going to be this just, I almost, it's not a mass exodus. I can't even think of the right word. There's going to be this just flocking toward it where we're going to crash the servers. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun day.
0: I'm excited for that.
1: But yeah, um, oh, yeah it'll so, be awesome.
0: So VR, I'm sure it will start appearing in my weekly geekery now that I've talked about it this one time but beyond that um don't expect a ton of talk in the main topic from now on but yeah i just want to get this out here out there i'm really excited if you have questions i um, hit me up on twitter i'm very happy to talk about this obviously i can talk about it for a long time <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um let's move on to our weekly geekery so it's time for weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week For me, I already talked about VR enough. Um, I'm talking about a flat screen game. I've been playing Pocket Card (laughs) Jockey on 3DS. It's a weird mix of horse racing and solitaire. And it's really, (laughs) it's definitely coming from Japan. And it's definitely a weird game and kind of, I don't know, zany, kooky. It's it's something but i like it i like it a lot it's a simplified version of solitaire that you play which gives your horse energy and then you can like move your horse and position it around other horses and then you get to the home stretch and you gotta hit the button and make the horse go and i don't know i've been playing that i yeah that's what i've been playing most of on my 3ds lately you should check it out i will put a link in the show notes because it's really odd and it's easier to just look at it than have me try to explain it beyond that (laughs)
1: <laughs> that sounds super weird yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to check it out just to see what it looks like that because that's not a game that if i'd if i saw it in the e-store i'd be like i am never touching that that is not at all something i'm gonna download yeah, i had a friend recommend it and it was i think it's six dollars
0: i was like okay whatever i'll give okay. it a shot and yeah i've spent a lot of time on it it's definitely paid for itself wow
1: well excellent uh my weekly geekery this week is uh are actually some videos uh star trek beyond second trailer came out this week and i've been watching it multiple times it's fantastic i i love the star trek reboots first of all uh if you need to send me hate mail uh the email is geek to geekcast at gmail.com but i absolutely love the uh the new reboot movies and I was not a fan of the first Star Trek Beyond trailer. And the second trailer that just released is fantastic. That it looks like an action... It, it, it looks like an... Just wonderful looks like a star trek movie with a bunch of action and they're out in space and exploring and actually seeing new things this doesn't feel like a retread like the others did and i'm really excited to where to see where they're going to take the uh star trek franchise at this point with this and uh in addition to that there is a series of overwatch animated shorts i know that we touched on that uh when we did our overwatch episode a couple of weeks ago but they've been releasing a couple more since then and I've been watching, I re- re-watched the two that I had already watched and re the new ones that came out this week called Dragons and Hero, I believe. There's a link to Hero in the show notes they're great that these are between six and eight minutes long a piece and they just give kind of a touch on what the Overwatch backstory and world is Uh, you don't need any kind of introduction to watch them they're just incredibly well done vignettes about the characters in Overwatch that make you honestly care about them Uh, Dragons was fantastic and Hero I watched this morning right before the recording of this and it was phenomenal it might be the best one yet just in terms of how it's put together and the, the story that's told, it really fleshes out the world a lot, I think. That uh, if you're even remotely interested in Overwatch or uh, you like short-form uh, narratives, check out the Overwatch animated shorts, uh, and I've got a link in the show notes for that. With that said, it's also time for this week's health hack. Uh, and just because we're geeks doesn't mean that we can't take care of ourselves. Each week uh, here at Geek2Geek, we want to help you out by giving you you know small hacks that you can use to make your lives just a little bit healthier. Uh, things that, that, that Void and I also do to try to stay in shape and try to stay healthy. And this week, I wanted to talk to you guys about hydration. Just to remember, just to point out for you guys to remember, to drink water because I haven't been lately, and I have felt like a bag of poop. It's been bad. Uh, I've upped my exercise. I live in Alabama, and it's starting to get very hot here. Uh, It's very humid, and so I've been sweating a lot more. I've been upping the activity that I've been doing, and I have not upped the amount of water that I've been drinking, so I've felt really bad. If you start feeling low energy or extra hungry, there's a good chance that you're not not actually hungry and you're not actually tired and overexerted, you're honestly probably dehydrated a little bit. You're probably thirsty. Um, So make sure that you're drinking a lot of water during the day, especially this time of year. Lots of folks get hit with dehydration and heat stroke uh, and think that they're drinking enough. Honestly, if you think you're drinking enough, unless you are carrying a water bottle with you at all times and drinking from it, you're not drinking enough. If your mouth ever gets dry, it's too late. Uh, Really, that was one of the things that I learned from my wife's former band director that was really good advice. If your mouth feels like you're thirsty you haven't been drinking enough for a long time. So make sure that you uh, buy a Brita bottle or something like that. Keep with you this summer, and don't be like me and crash like I did yesterday. I became a Grinch. My head started hurting behind my left eye. I had no energy, thought I was hungry. I drank one bottle of water and became Willy Wonka, bouncing around again. So, So please, 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 and if you live in a swamp like I do, stay hydrated and drink some water you guys even if you live in the great white north like like void does you need to be able to drink even though you guys don't have like heat or <laughs> you know the sun most of the time
0: I'm not quite in the great white north i'm i'm just south of that but yeah i you know our winter lasts i've seen your snow than... pictures i know but i i can't take that away from canada they would be mad at me i am in the u.s uh, for sure that... Um, You're in Canada, Jr. right now. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get into it because we're already close to the end of our time. But I disagree with you. Anyway, you can write comments, suggestions or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com. And you can find me at GRN Mushroom, especially if you want to talk about VR. I'll talk to you about VR a lot on Twitter. Um, I also run the Video Game News Now podcast, which is I'm going into my second week here. So if you're interested in just getting gaming headline news very quickly, very efficiently, check me out. Video Game News Now. It's on all the major services.
1: And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej, That's B-E-E-J. And I blog sporadically at geekfitness.net about fitness, health hacks, that kind of thing. We've been Void and Beej with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this
0: week. See you next week, geeks.
1: Bye, guys.